0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to the Ilm Feed podcast. We're back again with your host Shabir. Uh, and um, you know as they say right it's been a long time but you know it's it's a new Islamic year inshallah and uh, we're hoping to restart things and um, you know hopefully keep things going uh, as much as we can. We're still remote as you can see we're not in the studio yet. Um, things are just ticking along, alhamdulillah, but no complaints whatsoever. We are just going to aim to have, um, you know, a productive, uh, year, insha'Allah. And, uh, I- I'm saying that word intentionally because, mashallah, we have someone with us that's perfectly fitting in with this word, uh, none other than, mashallah, brother Muhammad Faris from ProductiveMuslim.com. Assalamualaikum alaykum
1: wa rahmatullah. Wa wa wakato. Thank you for having me. Really honored to be here. khair.
0: Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for joining us and um, yeah, you know, this is, uh, uh, firstly, I'm a huge fan of your work and what Productive Muslim does. Alhamdulillah, I've been following it for a long time. I know many of the the Ilmfeed family from across the world also are followers uh, and and take a keen interest in this. So we decided let's just jump on a podcast and discuss all things related to, you know, productivity and all of these uh, interesting discussions, hopefully, that we're going to be having today, insha'Allah. Um, firstly, how have you been? How's lockdown? I'm alhamdulillah.
1: You. <laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah. I'm kind of coming to you uh, from Dallas, Texas. Uh, things uh, have been uh-huh. really intense here in Texas, but alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, so far, you know, really ni'ma uh, wa that By Allah's permission, we can still continue this work and the blessings that we're still literally enjoying. The fact we can work, continue to communicate and do these shows um, it's a huge blessing. So Alhamdulillah, it's been, it's been a, you know, despite the difficulties, there's always double the ease. Alhamdulillah.
0: Alhamdulillah. And um, let's start off because obviously now we're in the we're in the new uh, Islamic year, uh, still you know towards the beginning of Muharram at this stage. Um, many people might not even know that actually. It's one of those things, right, where um, you know uh, people are like, yeah, you know, 2020 is uh, is just not been my year. Uh, if anything, 2020 is cancelled and I'm just going to wait until 2021 to get things done. Uh, but subhanAllah, maybe a lot of Muslims aren't aware um, that we've entered into our Islamic New Year. We're in Muharram, 1442 now. And um, in fact, why wait until the New Year when we've got one right now? Um, let's, let's start on that point, inshallah, because we're still at the beginning of Muharram, um, Let's start with just how important it is maybe just to keep on top of things in terms of our Islamic history and heritage, um, you know, following these dates and so on. And then maybe we can talk about, um, you know, how to how to start off on a strong note, inshallah. So over to you.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, subhanAllah, the past couple of years I've been doing some research on the Islamic calendar and reading books about the history of the Islamic calendar, not just how it started, but just how it was part and parcel of people's lives. And, and the more you read about, like for 15 centuries, the Islamic mm-hmm. calendar was the de facto calendar from Indonesia to Spain. And it was a calendar that, you know, people recorded their age, recorded their, you know, contracts, their sort of uh, wedding contract. Everything was done in the Hijri calendar. And it was, it was fascinating that only in the last 100 years where the Islamic calendar became a, a secondary calendar. And and for me, that's a, a bit of a loss because the Islamic calendar, there's something powerful about the Islamic calendar in, from three perspectives. Number one, it is the sort of, I call the divine calendar, the calendar that was ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the calendar Sallallahu Rasulullah actually so, suggests in his life to people. Most you don't know this. We had a show last uh, you know week with uh, Sheikh Hasib Nur from Medina. And he spoke about the idea of that Imam Zuhri referred to a hadith where the Prophet Wasallam sort of suggested that the Hijri calendar was a calendar to be used and then on Khattab late on kind of made it official during his time. So it's a calendar mm. that is we organize our spiritual lives on but also it's a calendar that was divinely ordained. So think about and, and think about calendars in general. Calendars is, is, is a very powerful system that human society uses to organize themselves. I mean, imagine life without a calendar, right? <laughs> right? It would be so difficult to organize your yeah. school dates, work, planning... Calendars are critical for, for just for for sanity number one, and also just to organize human societies. And if you think about let's say the, the Gregorian calendar, the modern calendar, we most of us kind of attune to it, and and we organize our life to it. Right, We're back to school here in the U.S. We've got Thanksgiving, November. Then it's Christmas. Then it's New Year's. Then it's Valentine's Day. Then it's Mother's Day. Then it's Father's Day. Then it's summer. Then it's like and then we go this calendar. And yes, you know some some of these seasons are interesting. Some of these seasons are very are powerful, but there's something missing, the sacredness of time is missing yeah. And that's kind of the second part about the Islamic calendar Is that it, it helps you recognize sacred time versus non-sacred time And you know, for example, we have the four sacred months right? Which again, most of us forget about We know Ramadan, we know Hajj But we forget Rajab, we forget Dhul Qaida um, You know, Muharram, sometimes we forget Remember, sometimes we not, we don't yeah. And it's, it's to recognize the sacredness And just like during the day We have sacred time, which is prayer times and non-sacred time. And just like when we go through sacred time in our days so that we can prepare ourselves for the quote-unquote non-sacred time. And the same thing with the months, the seasons that come and go and and being tuned to it. And the third part, of the Islamic calendar, and this is also very powerful, especially in today's world. I feel like it's it's a civilizational identity. I feel like as as a, this is the kind of connects us. Think of how we could get connected in Ramadan, we get connected in Hajj. We think oh that's a Ramadan thing or it's a Hajj thing. Actually yeah. it can go on for the rest of the year if we really tune to it. And so, you know, we started a campaign called Go Hijri, trying to encourage people to to go hijri. It's it's not about abandoning the Islam you know, the Gregorian calendar. I mean that we live in a modern life, we have to, you know, you know, learn how to balance, but what would life look like if you go hijri first? For example, what if you know your date, you know, your age in the hijri calendar? By the way, you'll be a year older. What if you, <laughs> what if you um, if you're running a business, for example, something we do at Product Muslim, we now align our business to the hijri calendar. So things from planning to paying our team members to everything's aligned to the hijri calendar. And there is this, this is called the, the Barakah factor, the Barakah effect. You become much more aware Mashallah. of the tune. And it's literally you feel something. You know, time and the calendar feels more sacred than just another day on a calendar so it is very powerful and I can't recommend enough even as an experiment try for this year 1442 make it the year that you go hijri first inshallah
0: mashallah I love that I love the fact that you've literally converted everything to uh, and and you've gone hijri uh, definitely something that I've, I've actually I, I think maybe I can implement actually uh, now thinking about it with my with my team and you know uh, with, with even my students and so on. I think that would be an amazing thing to do. Um, and and one thing that's amazing also about Muharram, you know, being the first month of the of the year and of the of the Islamic calendar. It's that it's that turning point, isn't it? Um, where it literally comes straight after the season of Hajj, right? And Hajj being that new beginning for especially the hujjaj, the pilgrims, they go for the Hajj and they come back literally like our Prophet tells us. You know, they are they come back like the day that their mothers gave birth to them. So it's literally a clean slate for them. And also for us, we've benefited from um you know the season of Hajj as well, for those of us that haven't been for Hajj. And then I feel like, you know, by the time you know they they, they depart and they return to their homes, now they've entered into Muharram, right? It, it, you know, back then they didn't have the the flights where you can literally within you know, 6 to 12 hours, get get back home, right? There was an, ex- an express thing. It would take them weeks. So really, realistically, they would arrive home around Muharram time, which is like that turning point, the new beginning, the new year, which is, uh, for me, it's something really amazing when I think about it like that, that this is genuinely um, a new beginning for us. And it reminds me of this, um, you know, one of the wisdoms, the Hikam of Ibn Atayrullah, who says that, you know, the one who has an illumined, uh, and and bright beginning will have a bright end as well. So I guess it's that thing where you know we're always t- told in the even in mainstream in the West, you know, um, push for a really strong start. But well, subhanallah, it's there in our Islamic tradition, you know, to have a strong start. What's the importance of you know pushing for a strong start um, and not starting off like you know very lethargic and laid back, uh, and then th- thinking you know maybe in nine months' time Ramadan I'll pick things up. You know, so what's the, what would you say is the importance of really focusing on that strong start?
1: Absolutely. I think, again, this year, especially this year when I became more conscious of the Hijri calendar that said, let's go Hijri first, I honestly felt the excitement of Muharram, right? Because like I said, yeah. you, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, like this year, especially if it would have be been like 2020 in general, I was like, man, <laughs> this was a yeah, tough I know. year. Right? <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, oh, it's a new beginning. All right, let me reset, right? Let me just press the reset button and Bismillah, yeah. let's see how this, you know, this year goes. So I felt like this whole kind of pressing the reset button. We also, we also say press the reset button spiritually, physically, and socially. Like go through a life. Yeah. Zay, what would my life look like? So Muharram number one is a sacred month. So that by itself means it's super important, right? Good deeds are magnified as well as bad deeds are magnified. So it's almost like you want to start strong because it is a, a sacred month. We have the yeah. beautiful days of Ashura for fasting, which again, expiates our sins. So kind of also again, fresh start again, almost like clean it up. If you've messed up the first 10 days, all right, just try to clean up, mm-hmm. you know, after that. Also the idea of, you start, you know, the way, you know, I was thinking about, you know, was like, this could be a good time for you to start a new habit that you say, you know what, this is going to be my new habit for this Islamic year, 1442. Something mm-hmm. small, but something is non-negotiable for you. So what what will be my non-negotiable? For example, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to start fasting once a week or once a month. I'm going to read Quran a little bit. I'm going to go for exercise. I'm going to spend an hour with my family and not check my phone while I talk to them. It could be anything, spiritual, physical, or social that you focus on. And Muharram would be like, I'm starting Muharram. I'm gonna, this is going to be the, the month. And that's a good build-up for Ramadan. Ramadan should mm. not be like the start of the race. Ramadan should be like, this is when you sprint, right? This is now, you're building up. You're building your capacity. You're building your stamina and endurance for that ultimate race in Ramadan. So you want to start now to build your muscles up so you don't get shocked by, oh my goodness, Ramadan is coming and I can't fast. Yeah. I'm, I'm barely reading the Quran. I'm really struggling with everything else you know start from now it really helps you uh, build up and finally really it's just being intentional um, It could be as simple as being aware of which yeah. day from of of the Islamic year it is so for example you know add your hijri calendar to your calendar excuse me add the hijri calendar to your phone to your calendar um, and start literally just tracking and just being aware of it oh oh it's the white days oh it's the end of the month oh it's um, this this is you know this event happened this day just being aware helps you stay connected. Helps you see the be also be in line with the divine order. Like, honestly, for me, the, one of the reasons why I started following Hijri calendars, I realized I'm become more connected with the natural order. Like I'm literally seeing the moon. Like, oh yeah, it's end of the month. It's beginning of the month. Oh, it's the, it's the middle of the month. You don't notice that when, you, when you're just yeah, going through the yeah. days without an count. So there's there's something where you feel more connected to nature to Allah's divine order. And mm. that by itself is, is, is just beautiful and it makes you feel you're part of this ecosystem, this universe and, and you are and you're a abd, a slave, Allah SWT in, in, among, among all these constellations. It's, it's something very spiritual, very powerful as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It definitely does have that spiritual factor to it. Even like you mentioned, um, you know, Ashura, so the 10th of Muharram. What's amazing is that, you know, we learn from hadith that the sins for the previous year are forgiven. So it's like, you know, the beginning of the year, and then it's like the previous year, you, you don't look back. Because, you know, we have this habit of, oh, but things are so bad. You know, I can't move on and I can't improve. But it's like Allah is saying, you know, forget about the previous year. It's finished. It's You fast on these days, inshallah, it's, it's gone. And then you can just move forward. So again, I feel like, you know, it's just so amazing how we're given that push. And we, we have to view things, I think, in the correct way. Instead of looking at it like, like you know, oh, great, it's another day. I have to fast I have to leave food and drink behind. It's more like, no, let me, this is a reset. You know, this is a reset for me. This is a reprogramming for me and moving forward. Um, on, that, on that note, since we're talking about the New Year's, even though this entire episode is not going to be just about that, uh, there's a lot of other things we want to discuss. But on that point, I mean, normally, again, in the West, we always talk about New Year's resolutions, right? Um, sometimes my students ask me, you know, is it okay for me to set my own New Year's resolutions? Or is that a bit... I mean and I say, look, i mean we we as Muslims are always taught it doesn't have to be a new year, but generally speaking, we are taught to have goals and ambitions, and we're told to plan things out, and we're told to inshallah always look to develop and improve ourselves. so why even wait until a new year? You should be weekly you know planning things and 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 always reflecting and introspection and all of that so now that it's an Islamic new year, uh how important would you also say? Even setting goals are, and what tips could you give on setting goals? Because it's very easy to say, "Yeah, Inshallah, I'm gonna have a great year and I'm gonna be a good Muslim." It's like, what does that mean? You know, a good Muslim. There's so many things that could mean. So, uh, what would you say is the importance, and also how can we achieve uh, really effective goals?
1: Absolutely, Zaklachy for that. Mashallah. I think one of the interesting things that in the recent couple of years, I having a rethink about this whole of goal setting. I'm going to mm. first start off by trashing goal setting and then come back to it. So just bear with me at the moment. <laughs> um, you know, if you think about goal setting, the traditional goal setting framework, it's all about, all right, you think of a 20-year vision or a 10-year vision or where you want to be in five X number of years, and then you work backwards, set up long-term goals, short-term goals, and kind of like, okay, then you know, weekly milestones where you want to you know, be basically. Yeah. Now, there are two assumptions that are made there. Uh, number one, it assumes that you have perfect knowledge of what your ideal future should look like, which, yep. let's be honest, we don't. And number yep. two, it assumes you have perfect control of all the factors that will lead you up to those goals in 5, 10, years' time, which, again, mm. we don't. And the question is, a lot of time I ask this question, like, think about five years back. Just look, about, just look at your own life five years ago. Did you imagine five years ago being where you are today? And a lot of us were like, uh, not really. <laughs> or maybe yes, but not quite. And, and that way, that's why I feel like the traditional goal setting method might not be accurate. In fact, it might actually backfire when things don't work mm-hmm. out. And you feel like, hey, you know, I've tried goal setting before. It doesn't work. So the question is, what's the alternative? Because like, you might think, all right, great. Now, no more goal setting. I'm going go to go sleep and see what's going yeah, yeah, to happen yeah, to me, right? Yeah. So I'm like, well, let's look at it this way. One of the, we, we wrote an article about this. How does it go it's like a gardener? Think yourself as a gardener. And a gardener, number one, they plant a seed. And what is that seed? That seed in Arabic is called Noah. Noah is like a, a, a seed. And it was very close to the Arabic word of Niya," which is intention. Mm-hmm. So you plant a seed. It's like, I'm going to plant a seed. My intention... Is that I want to be a better Muslim in this way. My intention is to memorize Quran. My intention is to start a business. My intention is to you know find that job. My intention is to graduate. So you put these intentions, and just think about it that when you think about intentions versus goals, right? Goals feel, feel almost like very specific, very outcome you know very objective focused, and there's no room in either fail or succeed if the goals versus intentions. They feel like Almost like the why, right? The drive, the why. They feel like more open, more, more, um, you, you know, even if you fail at, you know, at seeing that intention manifest itself in one way. Let's say you want to start a business and your intention is to start a business, but let's say it failed, your intention is still to run a business or the intention still is to earn money from running a business. So you can start another business. So intentions yeah. stay, normally stay put together versus goals sometimes either succeed or fail. And mm-hmm. the thing about intention, so you set the intentions. Then once you've set the intentions, all right, I've had my intentions. The next question is, what is the season of life? Just like as a gardener, you will not plant a summer fruit in the winter, no an autumn fruit in the spring. You got to choose the right season. And I see yeah. this a lot when I coach people and work with people where they sort of set a goal for themselves or set these like, oh, I want to do this now. But it's not the right season of their life. They have a young baby, for example. Or they have very old parents. Or they are going through some major, major coronavirus, right? something happening that just completely throws them off. And again, Mm. because we live in a world that makes it seem like you are ultimately in control and you're responsible and it's very egocentric... Where if things don't, if you can't achieve a goal, it's because you are a loser. It's because you are you you know you're not you know you, you don't smart enough or work hard enough, right? It's put that pressure on the nafs, on the yeah. on the human being, versus re- recognizing I need to be aware of the seasons. Think of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and how he used that. Like sometimes, like you know Sulh al Hudaybi was a classic example where it was people were like they're like we need to go Umrah and sahaba will like, upset. We need to go Umrah. They're like not now, you know, wait a couple mm. of years. And like, what? When are you going to wait a year? I'm like, we want to go now, you know, and, and that idea is that it's not the right season at that moment. And in fact, he got much more from that deal than, than initially was, was envis- on, you know thought of. So this idea of being aware of the seasons, being very smart, when is the right time to plant my seeds? When is the right time to focus on this goal? But also same time, being aware that some seasons, if you're going through a good season, let's say you're healthy, you have no major responsibilities, things are good for you, then don't waste that season. That famous hadith, you know, mm-hmm. five before five, right? You know, the idea of your age, you know, your youth before you become old and your health before you become, before you become sick. So, those, the idea of make the most of the season you're in. If you're in the street, let's say right now the lockdown, not traveling, and realize I'm not traveling, I might as well use this season to work on things that I always wanted to work on, but I didn't have time yeah. because I was traveling all the time. So, that, that is a way of thinking about seasons. And the third is as a gardener, You focus on the process. I'm a gardener. I water my plants. I work hard. I sweat. I do the parts, but I'm not attached to results. I can't guarantee the fruits. And this is the hardest part where people like, if you think about a lot of us, we grew with this idea of hustle hustle culture where we got to hustle to achieve a specific goal versus what I call barakah culture where you work hard, you plant your seeds, you do everything you can, but you cannot guarantee your fruits. And the best example is Nuh alayhis no mm-hmm. salam. think about it. For 950 years, he did everything. I mean, if, if, if he was a marketing manager for product, like he tried try everything. <laughs> and in the end, God literally, if you think of the food, was not to what he expected. But that did not mean he was not successful. So same thing, if you have the right intentions, if you work hard, if you focus on the process, and, and, then you, and if for some reason, the food does not come to your expectations, then I'll say, first of all, question your intention. Secondly, question the process. Thirdly say Have I tried everything If you have That's when you accept Allah's qadar and Let me give you an example You're trying to memorize Quran Alright And you say Okay I'm Mm. trying to memorize Quran Or I'm trying to pray for tahajjud Or I'm trying to fast Or I'm trying to start a business Whatever it is Think of any goal Say what's my intention What's my niyyah And as much as possible Try to make your niyyah I call higher order niyyah About Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Versus low order niyyah Which is about the world About you know You feel good factor About you just think Your reputation Try to increase the, the, The order of your intention Secondly, ask yourself, okay, what, if, what is the process what, for me to memorize Qur'an? Don't worry about memorize, you know, being a half of it. Inshallah, mm-hmm. come to that. Focus on the process, which is I got to sit down every day. I got to do revision. I got to find a teacher. And let's say after one year, I fail. I'm not memorizing Qur'an. Okay, check the intention. That's number one. Number two, check the process. Maybe the way you're learning. Maybe you have to find a different Qur'an teacher. And there's, and there's this continuous process. When you stop putting goals, setting from that perspective as a gardener, versus as someone who's I call it, the carpenter, someone that has a specific outcome in mind, thinks it'd be this way or my, my way, the highway, then it becomes more dynamic, you become much more flexible, mm. you become more spiritually connected because you realize those fruits was not from you. Allah says in the Quran, <laughs> do you see that seed mm. which you sow? Like you put the seed, you worked hard, but Allah's asking, are you the one who makes it grow? Or are we the grower? You're like, um yeah, like <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> it's Allah. <laughs> yeah. So, being aware of that and, and makes the goal setting feel much more dynamic, much more, in, you know, spiritual. And also, a lot of times, because Allah is Karim, He gives you more than what you expected versus what mm. you already had in mind, basically. Allah alam.
0: SubhanAllah. No, it's, it's uh, you know, I really appreciate the analogy, the garden analogy. And um, I think I'm also really glad that you brought up the Hifd the or the memorization, um, the, that, that example, because again, a lot of questions that is asked you know, even to myself is like, okay, when you memorize Quran, uh, I'm I, I'm trying to do it, um, but uh, you know, it's taking me too long. And I always say, why are you focused on how long it's going to take you? Have you started yet? Have you made your plan yet? Have you found a teacher yet? No, no, no. But I'm thinking about it's going to take me three years. Yeah, but it's it takes a beautiful. You Thirty years. Is it worth it or not? Exactly, exactly. It, it and, and you have to remind yourself of what you can achieve and what you can unlock once you've done it. Um, and I always say, look, one thing that I had in mind when I wanted to memorize Qur'an was I had a passion to, uh, you know, uh, go to the masjid and lead the, the salah, lead salah to taraweeh Why? Because that was uh, something that is, it was my dream growing up. So if I focused on, yeah, but I, I, let, me to, uh, let me compare myself to Sheikh Abdurrahman Rahman let me compare myself to Sheikh Mishari, I was never going to get it anyway. You just got to get stuff done. So I appreciate that example. Um, and that analogy, I think it's it's an amazing thing to focus on. That the other thing that you mentioned, another term, and I know it's a concept that you're big on, is this Baraka culture um, versus this hustle culture uh, that you've spoken about a lot. Where, yes, you're right, we do live in this um, day and age of yeah, hustle, work hard, let's get things done, and you know, I'm really busy, and you know, all of these things, as opposed to the more we could say maybe the spiritual. Um, the aspect of things. Um, so tell us a bit more about the baraka culture and how maybe you know again in a day and age where, we, where everyone says I don't have enough time, I don't have enough this, right? Um, how can we maybe perhaps look towards unlocking um, baraka and accessing that, inshallah? Sure,
1: absolutely. So think of the way um, when I think of hustle culture, baraka culture. Before, before I start, I want to clarify a misconception. I'm not saying. Butterculture is sit back, relax, and drink some tea. And hustle mm-hmm. culture is all about, you know, both yeah. work hard. But again, it comes back to intention. So hustle culture is it's, it's where we've made work our identity, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a term for it called workism, where literally because with the loss of spirituality and faith and religion in general in the world, people have had to, you know, we, we, are, we, we are human beings, right? We are, we are slaves, right? For, if we're not slaves of Allah, we'll find out we're slaves of something else. And hence, we know people start to become slaves to the work. They literally attach their identity, their purpose, their meaning to work. And they get their transcendence, right? You think about all the follow your passion, follow your dreams, right? All that narrative, and a lot of times it means very work-career related, versus us recognizing, first and foremost, that we are abid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and centering our lives around that. So, hustle culture is very egocentric, very work-centric. Barakah culture is about God-centric, saying, I'm organizing my life around Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, including work, including family, including everything else around us. But I need, I need to make sure I'm in this paradigm shift. I'm not, I'm not sort of this paradigm of hustle culture. The second, second of hustle culture is because, again, that notion of, you know, you are quote unquote in control of every aspect of your life, and if you don't succeed, that means you are a loser. And this is a very, also very American thing, as well. For example, you know, in the UK, if someone has a bad life or someone goes to struggle, they say, Oh, you know, he's unfortunate, right? He's un- unfortunate. Versus yeah. in the US, like, oh, he's a loser, right? He's <laughs> like, oh my God, he's a loser, right? It's a very, it's a very, um, the idea that you are in control of your destiny, right? And this mm. whole notion of you are a master of the, you unleash the power within you, right? All that stuff is about putting, it's very egocentric and almost taking the picture away from that. There is a rub. there is mm. an Ilah, there's a, there's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who does control things and you are a slave of that. Uh, you are a slave. And it's not me. He has not given free will. He has given you free will, but recognizing who is in control. So yeah. this idea of shifting from hustle culture to butter culture was when I was, you know, we're doing productivity the past 13 years. And I realized, what's the summary of all this work of researching productivity, training, I realized the summary is for us to be productive, we need to add more butter in our lives. You know, the, the famous the equation I use for productivity is energy, focus, and time. If you have energy, if you have focus, and if you have time, those three things help you achieve. You know, get get some results. You're trying to write a book. You need energy, focus, and time. You're trying to do a live stream show. Energy, focus, and time. Anything in life, you need energy, focus, and time. The only issue is that, you know, imagine if there's butter can your energy, if there's butter can your focus, and there's butter can your time. Think about the output, right? It's like a lot of butter can the output beyond expectations. And just if, if you mm-hmm. example, if you you know, if you write books, for example, um, you have two authors. One. Author, energy focus on time produced a best-selling book doing really well mashallah new york bestsellers list and it after three years probably really forgot it normally the average life cycle of a book is three years Versus, let's say, someone else who really infused barakah in, in their work. You know, they were fasting every time they wrote the book. They, were, they had wudu on. They made dua for that book. They gave sadaqah every time they, you know, wrote it. Like, they really tried to infuse much barakah. They, they did a lot of salawat and dhikr as they were writing the book. They prayed istikhara before writing every chapter. Like, literally, they, they were always thinking about how to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this product, this, this work they're producing. And then the outcome, you know, is like the books of Imam Bukhari or Imam Ghazali. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. which lasts hundreds of years, no major publishing. And look at the benefit, look at the barakah and the benefit. Imam um, Nawi, who died at a very young age, but was still studying his books today. That is barakah. So, you know, energy, focus, and time have been the same. But with barakah, the impact, the output the, is beyond expectation. And that's what we're seeking. That's the, that's the missing ingredient we're seeking. So barakah mm. simply is about attracting this or called divine goodness, Thubut to, al ilahi to divine goodness into the work, the abundance, the we call more with less, right? Do you want to attract it? It's almost like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attaching a barakah factor to your time, to your energy, to your focus, to your sleep, to your family, to your home, to your smartphone, to your laptop, whatever it is. If Allah puts barakah on it, there is more with less. There's goodness, there's khair, there's benefit. It's not just increase. People are like, oh barakah means I'm getting really wealthy, mashallah super. <laughs> no, that's not because think of Firaun and Qarun, they had lots of money, but that's not barakah. It's yeah. increase with benefit. It's increase that gets you close to Allah ta'ala Or sometimes it may not be increase, but the fact it continued. The fact that mm. you, know, you might have a small project that's been going on for years. You know, you might have yeah. a you know, something's been it's been going on. It's like it's not like exploding into this mega thing, but it's that's been going on that's barakah especially today in today's world in the vuka world volatile uncertain complex vigorous when you have something stable and yeah. and, and and still running strong that is barakah so it's think about that perspective so when it comes to how do you attract barakah in your life it's not some all things a mystical thing there's it's a yeah. of barakah Allah made it so easy for us right what you know simple things like rituals like praying, like, you know, Qur'an, like, you know, like giving charity, like making dua, these are simple things that attract barak in your life, but also things like mindsets, right, for example, being intentional, like we spoke earlier about being intentional, having intentions, being akhira focused, think about how can you, what you do to hear, help you in the akhira, being, for example, abundance mindset, being, instead of thinking like, I don't know, it's me, myself, and I, the scarcity, the hustle is scarcity mindset, that like, way, you have to lose for me to win, right, that's kind of the mm-hmm. hustle culture mindset versus, abundance let's both win let's let's both help each other out right it's a very abundance mindset if you ever go to a souk in istanbul or cairo or malaysia and you see all the shopkeepers saying exact same thing exact same price They're like <laughs> what are you guys doing where's the competition but that's abundance <laughs> yeah. mindset that we kind of forgot and lost in our lives and yeah. values values like you know tracking valid like aman honesty that's why the you know, if you're honest in your trade honest in your dealings honest in the way you conduct yourself Allah puts barakah in in, in your family, in your life, in the the work you do. So barakah is not um, something that is almost like hard to get, impossible to get. It is absolutely powerful ingredient. If we live our lives trying to attract barakah, honestly, you'll see results and see outcomes, things that you've never even imagined. Because why? Because Allah attaches His divine goodness to that thing. And you're like, subhanAllah, you know, it's beyond even my imagination. So yeah. I really call for to to, to you know, first of all, recognize you in hustle culture, recognize we, all, all the narrative we grew up in hustle culture, and recognize that we need to step away, move from egocentric to God-centric, move away from, you know, about, you know, personal success drive to you know impact purpose driven from a scarcity mindset to abundance mindset from being ungrateful to being content and grateful from the sense of entitlement right? hustle culture is like oh I deserve this right? because I worked so hard that's what Karun said in, in inna ma like I, mm. I was given this I worked hard for it versus recognizing uh-uh, Allah has given me this it's a responsibility right? Yeah. so it's, it's really shifting it's, it's a paradigm shift but once we make that paradigm shift it can, up, it can unlock productivity beyond where you, the way you think about it, inshallah ta'ala.
0: Mm, amazing. I, I think, you know, I'm really glad that you also clarified that one point, um, which is that, you know, barakah doesn't just mean that you're going to, um, you know, get a lot, you know, and, and, and you're going to have like, you know, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and have like a million dollars in your bank account. Like, that's not what it is. But actually, it's more like, from what I've understood, it's more like, you know, maximizing, taking a lot from a little, Right and and like you said, you mentioned the keyword which is taking benefit uh, from it as well. And you know, you gave the examples of the scholars of the past. You know, Subhanallah, like Imam Anawi, rahimahullah, lived only forty odd years. But I like when I think about it, it's like I have not been to a single like masjid or home or institute in the world where his book, like Riyadus Salihin, is not being taught. Everyone knows that book. Everyone is teaching that book till today there are hundreds and thousands of people that are still, But I'm like subhanAllah what did he do in like 40 odd years that you know I'm thinking of my, how old I am right now I'm like uh, you know what have I possibly done in that time but it just goes to show that clearly like he must have done things with so much sincerity and you know we called it like qabuliyah right that acceptance from Allah when Allah accepts that one small thing um, I was talking actually with my teachers a while back about I don't know if you've come across this book, Brother Muhammad. It's called uh, Taali haqq Taali haqq Right now, this book, right, it's um, it's taught like especially in the uh, in the uh, subcontinent, right? So India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and a lot of the madrasas, even in the UK today they teach this book, right? So especially if you're from that background or from a South Asian background, you go to a madrasa, that book is being taught. It's got basically basics of like fiqh, salah and stuff like that. It's very basic for children. And then that book, subhanAllah, like, I was wondering, why is this book being taught? Because I'm thinking, you know, like there's plenty of, and uh, uh, no, no offense to the to the author of the book, there's, there's actually much better materials out there. Why this book for? And then, you know, one of my teachers was telling me, you know, the 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 sheikh who wrote this book he's still alive today he's in this very remote village in south africa and and maybe he wrote this book with sincerity and you know i'm sure he didn't have social media facebook twitter instagram to market it and paid ads and you know google and stuff like he didn't have any of that he just he put it out to his local madrasa and allah accepted it and it spread and when i think of that like you know when you talk about legacy right and you know that is what you call a legacy subhanAllah. like the amount of people that have benefited from it, and we can only hope to and, and aspire to have something like that you know some work that is inshallah is accepted, that people can you know for for years on centuries on inshallah they can they can really benefit from on so, that and note actually and the, and the yeah go for it.
1: there you know just to add to there is that <clears throat> again we Something we've been fed this idea of we need to leave a legacy, right? And think about legacy, it's also very egocentric because you want yeah. your name remembered. I'm sure when that Sheikh wrote that book, he didn't have that in mind. That was not his intention, right? Yes, he asked for a lot of acceptance, but he never thought, oh, I hope this book like sells like I don't know, a million copies, or I hope this book like lasts for 200 years so that people remember me. Mm. That's not in their mind, right? So I feel like, again, sometimes, and this is why I've said we need almost a deprogramming where... We need to shift. It's not about legacy. It's not about you anymore. It's not about, you know, it's not about the ego. It's about mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's hard because we grew up and we trained and everyone with college, education, everything is trained that, about that nafs. It really is about, about the yeah. nafs and about how to, how to, you know, please his nafs versus realizing, uh uh-uh, always being careful. Like, oh no, Mr. Nafs, I'm not going to let you get this one, right? <laughs> and it's hard. It's a struggle. It's absolutely hard. Yeah. But it's, it's a struggle <clears throat> worth fighting for, inshallah.
0: Yeah, inshallah. And I think, you know, a, a really great clarification. Um, I think we're all deep down guilty of that, you know, thinking about, right, it's it's about me. Um, but I think maybe if we strip everything away and just focus more on, inshallah, the, the product or the benefit, like regardless of whether it comes back to me or not, regardless of whether I get the credit for it, regardless of whether I'm the best seller, inshallah, the, the work itself will, will speak for itself, inshallah. And like you said, I'm sure the scholars... Even we're talking about Imam al-Bukhari, etc. I'm sure they didn't sit there thinking, I want, in a thousand years' time, I want people to say, this is the most authentic book after the book. Like, no. They, it was, inshallah, the, 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 the intention behind it. And the work speaks for itself, right? These people, they didn't have an aspiration to become famous. And I was even told, like, um, you know, that, yes, there's exceptions to this, like your Imam Abu Hanifas or your Imam al-Bukhari's, who they were actually quite famous, why they were living, like people used to flock to their gatherings, right? Uh, one of my teachers told me, Imam al-Bukhari, uh, on one occasion, he had like 40,000 students sitting there and, uh, and just trying to listen to him, you know, uh, narrating hadith. But then I actually hear about, that's not the majority. The majority of scholars, like that we speak greatly about today, they weren't even appreciated in their time. Uh, one of the teachers of Imam al-Hanif, I was told, uh, Ibrahim al-Nakhai, rahimahullah, he used to have apparently like five, six students in his class and no one used to appreciate him. Uh, you know, as in like he was known for his knowledge, but only if you knew who he was. Otherwise, you just carry on, right? But then only after he passed away, it's a product of his uh, legacy, you could say, that someone like Imam al-Hadifa comes along and he is, you know, now the, his madhab is the most widely followed and that's going back to who? His teacher. So I think, you know, when you hear about these stories, it's like... It just blows your mind, and you think, Subhanallah, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, uh, a lot of work to do, right? Um, and I, one of the one of the greatest impediments uh, and obstacles to getting stuff done, I would say, on the top of the list, right, or, or thereabouts, is laziness, right? It's one of those things where you want to get things done, and you're just you're just not feeling up to it, right? And you're feeling really just you know you're you're feeling tired, or you're making some excuses. So I want to just quickly focus a bit on laziness. Um, you know, how are we, how we even defining it? What are the red flags? And um, obviously, the most kind of um, practical thing would be how to overcome it. Instead of just focusing on the problem, let's talk about the solution. So let's, let's talk a bit about laziness.
1: Charlotte. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. Laziness is, you mentioned earlier, it's, <clears throat> you said the word, I feel lazy. It's a feeling, it's an emotion. Mm. Um, and that's why... In, for example, in that famous hadith, uh, say Allah seek refuge in you from uh, anxiety and sadness. And "adz" and "kassal adz" is you want to do something, so you feel like doing it, but not able to do it for any reason. Mm. There's Sometimes like a, the adz is almost like a barrier between you and doing that thing, right? And "kassal" is you know you you basically you you could be doing something, you don't have any barrier between you doing something, but it's just you don't feel like it. Mm. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if I, if I work with somebody, it's like, I'm starting this laziness. Number one, I ask, you know, try to understand what is the root cause of laziness. What is that? And also, it's something that leads to procrastination and so on and other things. But what is that root cause of laziness? Why, why is that laziness? Sometimes it's a signal from your nafs. For example, it could be a signal that you need a break, right? You've been working yourself so hard that you need a break. And 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 for you to recognize that, there's is, is a favorite hadith says, Uh, uh, Prophet says Mm -hmm. Every moment of zeal There's a slackening Right And it's normal to have that To go through zeal and slackening Ibn Qayyim talks about that Slackening on the path Towards Allah Is normal And it's part Mm -hmm. of the journey To go through these moments Of like super excitement and, And zeal And hard work I'm like, you know, I can't do it anymore. That's why we have Ramadan for thirty days only. And people say, "Oh, I wish it was six months of the year." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if it was six months of the year, before you probably would come and complain about it. So it's like you go through this moment of zeal, excitement of pushing yourself forward, and then you need that moment to relax. Just like if you hit the gym. If you hit the gym, if you go every day and you know exercise every day, guess what? Your coach is like you go, go take a rest. You know, because a lot of you hit mm-hmm. the plateau because and you can't cro- go. You know, beat that plateau. Unless you take that rest. So recognize that sometimes it's your enough signal to you that you need to give it help, you need to give it some rest. And 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 for you, and try that. So, you know, give yourself a few days' break and then try come back again. If you're still struggling with it, my next question would be the intention. What's the intention behind this? Is the intention sort of strong enough? Um, maybe the intention is like, I don't I don't find a good intention behind this. Or it's not aligned to who I am. People, a lot of people mm. struggle with this, especially if they feel lazy, especially in the corporate jobs, where they perhaps feel like this is not aligned with the values of the company, not aligned with the work, not aligned with what they're doing. And they're really struggling because they're like, I'm, I'm trying to do work, trying to be productive, but I just don't feel like it. And I feel like lazy all the time. So, in check the intention. Could be something about Nia, could be some alignment of the work you do and what you do, basically. The third thing is are you you know, overwhelmed? Right? That's another reason why people laziness. laziness. We feel so overwhelmed. They're like, I have so much stuff to do. Like, oh my goodness, I don't know where to start. And that generates laziness because they feel like I'm not going to tackle this. Mm-hmm. And the best solution to that is to break it down. To say, okay, focus small bits on a you know, little. You time. Know, make some small progress. Because once you, once you start making that progress that success momentum will carry you forward and help you kind of overcome mm. that sort of mammoth task. So you're trying to write a book, for example, you might be lazy to write a book. It's not that like you're lazy, just you're just overwhelmed and haven't thought through, often thought like how can I break it down to a small manageable piece that makes me feel like I'm making progress, basically.
0: Does that does that tie in, by the way, sorry, with um this this theory of like make your bed theory kind of thing? Like, you know, you wake up in the morning and just just make your bed. You know, because at, at least that's something, right? There's a sense of fulfillment there. There's something there that you can say, let me tick the box. Okay, I've, there's a sense of accomplishment there. Let me move on. Um, because I think you're right. Some people, when they when they say, like, I've got so much to do, um, that, that leads to the procrastination and everything else. And then you just don't get anything done, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I
1: mean, and, and break it down, uh, make a small... And whether in that area or a different area... Um, another reason for laziness sometimes is this um like completion bias, meaning that we like to get things you know, for example, if you had a choice between working on a on a book that'll take you a year or yeah. doing some online shopping, I'm pretty sure online shopping will come top of the list. Why? Because I can get it done, I feel complete, it feels good, you know, it it it's off my to-do list versus on mm. this book I've gotta spend like three, you know, months researching and reading. <laughs> So there's of completion bias. Our brains like to do things that are much more easy to complete versus long-term things. And again, breaking things down helps you overcome that. So mm-hmm. these are some of these things. Check the emotion. So we find out why am I feeling lazy? Is it because I'm tired? Is it because of the, some issue with the intention? You know, and really we understand your like what is your what is your trying to tell? What is your heart trying to tell you? Kind of like reflect. Like why am I being lazy about this? What is it? What is about this thing that I'm lazy about? And and really introspect for, you know, introspectively, kind of find out. Um, and of course, and in other words, if you're overwhelmed or feel like it's too much for me, try to break it down. And of course, more important, both of these is make that du'a consistently. Like, so ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to you know imagine the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu seeking refuge mm-hmm. in laziness. Like, you know, we seek refuge from shaitan, we seek refuge from debt, we seek refuge from like people overpowering us. He's saying, oh, Allah, protect me from laziness." So it's just like, just like it's like an enemy because it does block mm-hmm. you from being the best version of yourself. It does block you from those intentions. And imagine if a gardener is lazy, the fruits will die. So you gotta, you gotta, you get up and you know, in, and work hard and seek and put the intention and, Allah, and ask Allah for help. Right? You ask Allah for help to pull you out of that laziness, especially if that laziness. Is general Like you know Sometimes you feel like Laziness in one area But sometimes you feel laziness yeah. Across all areas Like you know if you're lazy To pray To be good Like that's when you feel like Okay I need to really Get out of this Basically out of situation And dua And making the small Success momentum Helps a lot
0: Yeah you know The, the dua as well what's, what's amazing is that It's actually one of the Morning adhkar uh, And the duas to make Right literally in the, One of the first things That our Prophet Would say in the morning Was oh Allah Protect me from laziness Right. Which is obviously that's where your day starts. That's where it begins. And that's where, you know, uh, you know, we spoke about strong starts at the beginning. Right. When it comes to the beginning of the year. Well, it's a daily it's a daily thing for us. Renewing that intention every single day and asking Allah. So I think, yeah, you're right. You know, dua is is really, really important. Um, All of these points that you've mentioned, I think, is is really great when it comes to um, trying to overcome. I think I think the scary thing, to be honest, is. When that, I mean, laziness may be in your work or in your routine and so on. But I think the scary thing is when that laziness kind of seeps through into your spiritual life um, and it starts affecting your ibadah, you know, and your acts of worship where now you're just lazy to even pray salah, you're lazy to, you know, re- recite Qur'an. Um, it's scary because in the Qur'an, like you spoke about the word kasal and when Allah speaks about the hypocrites in the Qur'an, He says, when they stand for prayer, qamu kusala. And they would stand in a state of laziness um, I think that's the scary thing for me It's like you know If if we can Because I think sometimes we don't understand The impact of our actions Outside of salah for example That will impact your salah itself You know we always talk about How do I attain khushu' in my prayers And you know We, we only think about khushu' When we've said Allahu Akbar When we started the prayer We don't think about What about the lead up to it What about the fresh wudu The just swiping on my phone just before I started praying like, that all has an impact on your prayer so I think yeah I think you know a lot of the things that we do outside it's, it's, it's just a matter of you know getting ourselves trained up to inshallah uh, overcome that because you said it's a feeling right um, not to downplay it but ultimately when you when you look at it uh, from the surface it is it is a feeling like it's not something that you're born with right you know one's born lazy right it's something that we've it's in our minds and we have to, we have to overcome that. And um, I, mean,
1: I also think of when you name it, you're like, okay, I'm going through laziness. and Yeah. You know, we said, you know, for example, and this is why sometimes when you, are, Imam Aruudullahan has a very famous saying, saying, nafs idbar That the, the, the nafs has comings and goings, right? When it's coming, when it's excited, it's moving forward with you, run with it, right? Just run with it, right? <laughs> don't, don't slow it down, like, run with it, go do yeah. all the hajjus, do the fasting, do the Qur'an, go for it. And when it slows... Then slow it down with obligations and wajibat, right? So let's say mm-hmm. you're somebody, mashallah, who the hajjud and recites like five juz every day and goes all out, and you go through this phase of laziness and you're like, "Oh, I'm really struggling." Instead of letting go of everything, so I'm going, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to slow myself down a little bit, just like so go through that recovery period. And it's like I call active recovery. If you, you know, if you know, the sports people know this, right? Active recovery where You do a little bit. You don't go a marathon every day, but you go through an active jog, you know, for thirty minutes, just so you stay in shape but not go all out. And that helps you mm. come back stronger. So naming it and then recognizing. And, and this is called spiritual intelligence. Honestly, you know emotional intelligence? I thought was spiritual intelligence, where you're spiritually aware. Like, oh, I'm going through a, a down phase. Oh, wow. Okay, let me see how I can pull myself up again. And just being intelligent about it. And that's the beauty of, of our faith, where it gives these tools. The dua, the adhkar, mm. the salah, you know, the companionship. These are all things, tools to help you get up and, and move up and, and continue the journey and not completely drop off completely, inshallah.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, companionship, actually. I just want to quickly uh, just jump on that because, um, you know, when it comes to ambitions, for example, you know, you're, you're feeling lazy or you don't have ambitions in life. Um, and then you look around you and the people that you've surrounded yourself with and, you know, they're kind of the same, right? And all they want to do is just chill out and just play and all of this, right? Um, I think that also definitely has an impact on you. Um, And one thing I always say is your company isn't just your friends, you know, this person or that person. Your company is even the podcast that you're listening to, the books that you're reading. You know, if all you're doing is, uh, you know, just digesting negativity, for example, digesting drama, gossip, and, you know, you just want to binge on Netflix and all these things, then that's going to, that is literally going to shape who you are right likewise yeah your physical company your friends and so on so i think companionship suhba is definitely something which um you know has a huge impact on you as an as an individual and with the thi- the things that we've spoken about laziness and all of these things no doubt um one final thing that i want to end off with obviously on a more inshallah on a more practical note um is just generally coming to uh productivity itself right um and how we can perhaps um you know, become more, inshallah, productive individuals, productive people of faith, inshallah. Um, what, what would you, you know, not that I haven't already put you on the spot a few times, but you know, to put you on the spot again, like, what would be your uh, top tips, inshallah, uh, to to see the the rest of the year through and to and to aim for that productivity?
1: Inshallah, I'll for this one. Okay, <laughs> so I guess, um, Bismillah. The, the first one I would say is to really get your morning routine down. I think this is a huge one. Um, even if you're a night person, I know people say, oh, I'm a night person. A night person does not mean you stay up all night. A night person means, yes, you just normally stay a bit later than usual. Uh, this is called chronotypes. So it just means that, get you, okay, you might struggle to wake up early, but it does not mean that, you know, morning is out for you. There's so much barakah in the early hours. Allah, Muhammad <laughs> made special dua for so the awesome. early hours. So you really want to make almost like that. If you want to talk about barakah, a way to harvest barakah, the gardener, Barakah is in the early hours, so really get your morning routine down. So if, you know whether it's tahajjud. If you can't do tahajjud, at least fajr your prayer on time. Read the Quran. Do your afkar, Do your planning. Do your sort of you know all those sort of get ready, exercise, have a all that stuff. That morning routine. If you can get it down, you know you said yeah. strong starts, right? Strong beginnings. Mornings are that those strong starts. So really focus on that. Uh, number two is to. Really, as much as possible, I will say think of intentions versus tasks. All of us we think of to dos and tasks, but instead, like literally right now in front of me, I have this I have this whiteboard thing that looks like a keyboard, but it's like a whiteboard, and I write intentions for this week. I say this is my knee for this week. Not my task for this week. this is my knee. Like this is what I want to. F- this is my intention, and and this way. I'm almost like, I was, almost like each one of them, I'll pray tikhar on, each one of them I'll make dua for, each one of them is like, these intentions. At the end of the week, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows these intentions to manifest themselves in real life, I said alhamdulillah. If Allah chose not to, I say alhamdulillah, and I move on from there, and then you know, readjust for the following week. So think of intentions a lot. I think that's why a lot of our scholars thought about intentions for years. We kind of gloss over it, I mean, the more, the more I think about it, the more I realize how critical it is, not just for yeah. spiritual well-being, but for productivity, for performance, for having good relationship with people. Think about, it, I, you know, what's my intention behind my smile, right? What's my intention behind, you know, coming on this podcast? Like you have always like, always think about intention and it just makes a huge difference in terms of your performance, in terms of how you show up and how much you give of yourself. So think of intention a lot and try to connect intention to, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So um, just
0: on that on that on that note, I just wanted to quickly add something, which is um, so, so it just reminded me what you were saying right now of intention behind every action, even a smile, even this podcast, etc. Is um, uh, something that uh, we were discussing with some of my students. Is you know we talk about life hacks. So I, I just you know uh, we were talking about something called after life hacks, right? So thinking about the <laughs> thinking about the after. So instead of life hacks, after life hacks. So they said, what is that exactly? So I said, look, the way that I try and do things as much as possible is when when some someone approaches me or when there's an opportunity to do some good it's like think about the fruits of that think think way beyond you know like think about your akhirah so i gave an example uh, real quick and i said look um, recently a brother came and said to me that alhamdulillah i've you know i i I've, I've just uh, my wife's given birth to uh, a healthy baby boy uh, and I said, mashallah, that's amazing news. It's one of my students. And he said, you know, uh, is this name? He, he mentioned a name. He said, is this a good name to name my child? So the example I said to my students was, for me, this wasn't just a question that someone was asking. For me, this was, if I help this brother name his child, inshallah, like my intention should be any khay that that child does for the next, inshallah, his entire lifetime. I want to get some reward for that. So I gave that small example. I said, it's a small thing. He came and asked me a basic question. All I had to say was, yes, no. But with that intention, inshallah, we c- I could have, you know, I-, I-, I just don't know if Allah accepts and maybe in the akhirah I may meet him and say, whoa, you know, you bagged me, mashallah, a lot of khair, a lot of good, good deeds for all the good that you've done. So I think, yeah, just tying that in, something that you mentioned, sorry to cut you off, but it, it No, that was my third something. point. <laughs> Be Akhira focused.
1: <laughs> there you go. Be Akhira focused. Meaning that, yeah. You know, you are in this world, but you're lensing the Akhirah. And that's why, you know, you all say begin with the end in mind, well, begin with the very end in mind. Right? The very end is the Akhirah. Yeah. And I cannot stress, again, the idea of hereafter, figure of the Akhirah, from a productivity and performance perspective, it is huge because it opens up your horizon. Think about abundance mindset, yeah. all this other, you know, sort of thinking big, abund- that comes from you realizing there is a life after this. If this is all we have, Right, all this—the sixty years, seventy years, whatever—you know, God knows how long now with coronavirus. But if this is all we had. Then I'm like, well, what's the—well, you know, productivity will be meaningless. I mean, there was an article about um, in the Guardian about time management. I said, well, what's the point of being more efficient if we're all going to die? Literally, that was the title of the article. Like, what's the point of being more efficient if we're all going to die? Because, you know, if this is it, if there's nothing beyond that, then you know, the akhir the, the perspective brings a whole different beautiful lens. Which is so important for us to recognize. So, be yeah. So, what does it being akhir focused mean? Like I said. Being intentional, like you know, thinking your day from perspective of, from an Akhir perspective. We all organize, we plan our day, and, and from a very, very sort of you know, again, hustle culture, very career driven, work related. Well, what would it look like if you if you if you plan your different Akhir perspective? Yes, you put time for work, you put time for family, you put time for, for Ibadat, You will focus on oh, let me go and, and maybe visit the sick today. Oh, let me go and go for this funeral. Oh, let me go and um, make sure that I that I, that I you know put some time for Quran. But mm. like you start really thinking of, of your portfolio of your time and how yeah. to invest in both dunya akhira and Akhirah and both, even the Dunya perspectives help you in the Akhirah as well. So we spoke about morning routines, we spoke about really being intentional, being Akhirah uh, driven. And, and the last one again is to have what are call focus sessions. You know, we live in a very distracted world and, and again, I'm not going to ask you to turn off your phone and throw it away or get a flip phone. It's not going to happen. <laughs> All I'm asking you is have at least two to three we call focus sessions in the day. These focus sessions are: you turn off your phone, you put them away, and you just basically focus on one thing. Could be a task, could be a project. Could be reading the Quran. Could be spending quality time with your children. Anything at all—spiritual, physical, social. These are your focus sessions, and you just really be there. And hopefully, that will strengthen your focus muscles to help you get more things done, to help you be a better father, or a better student, better mother, better employee, better business owner these focus sessions can be critical especially in today's distracting world for yeah, you to yeah. basically live a productive life shot.
0: amazing mashallah uh, you know and, and some of the things that you have mentioned the concepts like uh, whether it's morning routines or these focus sessions I feel like just these concepts we can do another podcast on these on these things and go into a lot more detail uh, but inshallah we will leave that for when you're in the UK uh, post inshallah COVID and inshallah you're going to have to come over to our studio and we're going to have to do a separate, inshallah, episode. But um, honestly, like I personally have benefited a lot uh, from many of the things that you've mentioned today. Uh, Jazakallah khair, Muhammad, for your time um, and for, for all of the tips, inshallah, that I'm sure all of our listeners and viewers uh, that are tuning in can, inshallah, benefit from. Um, so for the rest of you, inshallah, um, really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Brother Muhammad Faris from Productive Muslim. Of course, if you haven't already, do check out their work, inshallah. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow um, all of the social media pages to keep up to date with, inshallah, what we hope to be a productive year going forward, even for us here at AOM May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Once again, thank you so much, Brother Muhammad, for your time and for your input.
1: Alhamdulillah. khair.
0: Wa alaikum. Salaamu Alaykum. alaikum salaam Take care, everybody. Inshallah, until next time. Asalaamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.